0: Hello and welcome to episode 81 of What Most People Think. How how are you? How are you? I'm just recording this. Have the EU? many any more European countries suspended the AstraZeneca yet? Yeah. Is this? They're not over it, are they? They are not over Brexit. They're taking it out on the kids, and the kids in this case is the vaccine. <laughs> we're going to get into it. We're going to discuss that briefly. It is a guest episode this week, which I'll give you more details about uh, in a minute. Just going back to last week's episode about uh, Megxit and Piersit and all that shit. I've had a bit of pushback from women who are really annoyed, annoyed by me being brought in by that witch, Megan... <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like it, did they? We're Megan, a lot of blokes, you know, We're like very visual creatures. We like, You know, actually, I thought Megan's right. They're like, how dare you? How did you not see it? How did you not see the spell that that woman was casting? But I had a few interesting bits of uh, communication on the subject, and there's a lot of been a lot of nicknames going out around them as a couple, you know, Ginger and Whinge. I'm sorry, that's funny. That is objectively funny. But there was one describing, and I know it could be problematic... Uh, in inverted commas, to do, you sort of characterise women as, as troublemakers in harmonious situations, but somebody called her a Woko Ono. And I'm sorry, that is funny. you just got to accept that. You've just got to accept that. So this is what most people think. The, the, the mission of this podcast is for somebody who is a bit centre-right, who voted Leave, is to try and get to the heart of what most people in Britain are thinking on the subject at any given point. And it certainly seems, to, <laughs> with my own listeners, I might have misread their mood on Meghan. I mean, certainly when you look at the the polls, Meghan and Harry went down. And when did we start polling fucking... Right, I mean, it would only make sense if there was any chance that we could elect them. And I will go out on a limb and say that if there were elections for royals, I think Andrew might lose his seat. So... <laughs> You know, sometimes, but you know, I'm conservative, but sometimes I don't agree with the conservatives. I mean, you look at the whole statue thing this week, we've got a new criminal justice bill. I don't know what it's called, fucking law stuff, police bill. And they're talking about potentially facing 10 years for defacing a statue. And a lot of people on the left have gone, well, this is ridiculous. I thought it was ridiculous. But then I also thought, all right, if that is a disproportionate consequence for doing something, then maybe the left also need to look at disproportionate consequences for, I don't know, holding opinions, yeah, or, <laughs> or just tweeting stuff years ago. Maybe those are also disproportionate consequences. I have this hope that we can get to an area Uh, We can get back to common sense. I'm I'm sure we can do it if we put our minds to it. Uh, We also have a weekly cuss count uh, tracking the curve of swears on this podcast. Last week's episode was a solo episode. Regular listeners will know that's coming in high. 28 fucking, 6 shits, 5 shit... Sorry, 6 fuck. but there's more swear words right there for this week's count. 6 fucks, 5 shits, 3 pisses and 2 twats. 2 twats. And that comes out of 1.1 swears a minute for a 40-minute episode, that is good going. And also a carry-on innuendo where, when I use brown wings. Did I, oh shit? Did I, oh there, there you go. Look, he's not even thinking of it. I've just done another um innuendo. The cuss count is brought to us by David Domain, one of my esteemed, most esteemed patrons. And if you want to get involved, the the, the patron basically keeps the podcast weekly and ad-free. When we went into lockdown, do you remember that? Do you remember that back years ago, you know what I mean, when you could still fucking see your dick when you pissed because you hadn't put on all this lockdown weight? Well, it was bi-weekly then, you know, it was non-binary in terms of its weekliness. But now it is uh, very, very weekly and it's ad-free. And I should tell you, I haven't haven't pointed this out for a while, but occasionally I do get advertisers and stuff come in. Another person came in this week and said they were going to hook me up with appropriate clients. And I said, fucking no, okay, I said, no, not everything needs to have adverts in it. Have you seen what's happened to YouTube? Do you remember that with YouTube? Do you remember when we were all like advert queens and we'd see a, like a five-second advert on YouTube? you I'm not fucking watching this. What do you think I am? I'm a busy man. I've got things to do with my time. Now it's like I'll, t- I'll take anything up to 30 seconds unskippable because YouTube's absolutely plastered in advertising. I've just realised as I'm saying that that I have advertising on my YouTube channel. And by the way, now I'm going to advertise my YouTube channel. If you haven't had a look, I've got loads of videos on there. Just go. Some of the, some of the interviews that I've done on this podcast are there. So go and subscribe and have a look at those. Uh, patrons, shout outs, patrons. Some of these are people that haven't had their patrons from before. we got Paul Vulgar. Paul Vulgar. Sounds like a Norwegian crime writer you know, like Kurt Vonnegut or whoever the fuck that guy is. Uh, David Watts, David Watts, David was asking, he was asking why I didn't rinse his name. So, well, David, uh, you sound like a, a regional sales manager for Screwfix, okay? You, you, you wanted it, there it is. Your name is, I'm sure you're an exciting guy, Dave, but that is a fucking boring name, mate. Do you know what I mean? If you were on Tinder, I would not put your name on there. I'd make up an assumed name because that that name, David, David Watts, just sounds like a kind of like missionary with the lights off. Your name is Your name is boring sex, David. <laughs> Are you starting to regret this? Uh anyway, got now a name that I can't really take the piss out of is Roof Power. How can I take the piss out of that? Though, if you say it out loud, Roof Power, as in like it does sound like a cleaner for tiles. Um Gareth Henstone Sturdy. Is that a fucking real name? Do you Gareth Henstone Sturdy. Gareth Henstone Sturdy. Uh, Gareth assured me that he's not posh, but the problem with that is, then you've got a double-barrelled name, Gareth, which means that you've pussied out in terms of your own marriage. You've let the woman... Have you done that, Gareth? Shame on you. It's one of our privileges as a man. You know, we are given up a lot of privileges as a man, you know, as a man, and I think that some of them, although maybe as a man is like some new pronoun thing, let's just keep that one, okay? The surname thing, it's, it's our thing. Like you can take all the other stuff away. Do you know what I mean? Women can open their own doors. <laughs> uh, we also have Colin Patterson. Colin Patterson, I'm pretty sure he's the film, he's near showbiz correspondent for Five Live. Slightly camp bloke. Colin Patterson, and this week we have a guest, Rosie Holt, brilliant comic, she's one of these breakout stars of lockdown that's been doing these viral clips and stuff, and you know she'll explain that when I start speaking to her, but I had a lovely chat with Rosie, yes, she, well, look, I can't characterise her politics, I'd certainly say we're not coming from exactly the same place, but she she seems open, you know, she seems open to different ideas, and she's funny, and I wanted to sort of have a chat with her and find out even more where she's coming from, so that will be coming up later in the show, but just before we get into that, we're just going to talk quickly about the the EU, and then do a quick thank you and a fuck you, the EU, just just stop digging, like has the EU got a mate, you know, like if there's a divorce, there's one of those mates that has to come around and go, look, just stop calling him, okay, because they are looking like such dicks over the vaccine thing, and I know, I know that this is, you know, with the AstraZeneca suspensions. I know that a lot of this is coming from individual European countries and it's not EU policy, but there was a French MEP, right, that let the genie out of the bottle. A genie in a bottle? A genie in a lamp? Did Christine Aguilera get that fucking lyrical wrong? Anyway, the point is, is it does seem to be political, doesn't it? Because they're, so, they're saying that they're worried about the incidences of blood clots, right? And... And yet, and yet, there are less incidences in, of blood clots in people that have had the AstraZeneca vaccine than in the population at large. Which could suggest, if anything, that the AstraZeneca vaccine—if you want to just go on rude, sort of rude, raw mathematical terms—maybe it helps. Maybe it helps. I think the Pfizer has had more. We have become really fucking patriotic, haven't we, about our AstraZeneca vaccine? and you know but things that happen after you take a vaccine aren't necessarily connected you know as i was saying on twitter what they get do. if two people got trampled by cattle would that be seen as a side effect or or, you know or a a couple fell off a ladder you know but look i'm a patriot i'm a patriot this AstraZeneca, this is our thing this is something we've done well so when i when i go for mine i'll pull up my fucking sleeve i go you know what barman make it a double We have found something to unite over, okay? Left, right, leave or remain. I know anti-vaxxers, you you could sit this one out, guys. But even you must feel a slight stirring of patriotism when they're questioning our fucking vaccine, okay? We made this, Britain made this. You don't fuck with our vaccine, you don't fuck with tea. So look, stop digging, Europe. We've moved on, we're happy now. Yeah, we might be a bit poorer, but we're doing our own thing. Just a quick thank you and a fuck you to Bill Burr's wife. Now I spoke about this also on the Patreon-only episode earlier this week. Bill Burr, a uh, brilliant comic, says what he thinks. He's a very blunt and honest comic. Uh he was hosting the Grammys, and he seemed to have wound up a few feminists. He he's more of a piss taker that he's not like a he's not he's a nice guy, and I think sometimes people misinterpret his motives. He's just a brilliant comic. And and then there was a lot of talk speculating that Bill Burr might be racist because he looks like a racist, which I think is not exactly racism, but to presume something about somebody on the basis of their skin colour, yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's not great, is it? It's not great. So they were sort of somebody who looks like a racist, and then it was pointed out to them that he has a black wife, right? And then there's one guy, he did this tweet, and actually I'm going to fucking read this, uh, because it was insane what the guy said. He said, while I'm not suggesting Bill Burr is a racist, a white man having a non-white wife can sometimes be a sign of racism. So you shouldn't assume someone isn't racist just because they own a minority sex servant. How unbelievably sexist and racist is it to presume that if somebody's in a relationship, and it admittedly he didn't say all, but anybody that's, taken, that's fucking married a black woman is doing so because they wanted a minority sex servant. Anyway, so this guy, he's a blue ticker, I don't know what the fuck, probably run some sort of student newspaper. And then Bill Burr's wife, actual wife, actual black woman, Nia, she said, just tweeted, bitch, shut the fuck up. Sometimes that's all it needs, isn't it? Imagine you're his wife and you know that he has married you and you have had two children together. You think, well, look, if he is still a racist... He's doing a good job of hiding it, he? I mean, he's really gone all in on this not racist thing. And I just want to do a quick fuck you. And the fuck you, I've actually changed my mind on what the fuck you is. The fuck you is just people trying to get people in trouble, okay? When did that become okay? Do you know, remember at school, like you're a snitch or a grass or you're a telltale? I'm not saying that you should let people get away with terrible behaviour, but the amount of people, what, what social media has done is... Is it's allowed all the telltale tits. Remember that telltale tit? You can't take it. It's allowed all of them a platform. And I tend to think if somebody's done something really bad, uh, we're going to hear about it. Okay. So just scouring the shit that people have said in the past. Is this because a couple of people have tried to do that to you in the last week, Jeff? Yes, it is. Okay. Right. Enough of all that. Let's get into the chat with Rosie Holt. Okay, so welcome making a debut on what most people think. It's Rosie Holt. Hello, how are you doing?
1: Good, thank you. I'm very well. How are you?
0: Yeah, yeah I'm not bad. So, you're at your parents' uh in Bath,
1: yeah, in Bath. Thank you for correcting for saying it correctly. Yeah,
0: we don't want, you don't want to give these northerners, do you? Know what I mean, no, like, you can't, can't say let it them wrong. win. Can't let them win. Well, that's all right, isn't it? 30 seconds in, we might have offended Northerners. This is a good start. This is what
1: I think that's how it should start. Thank you, yeah.
0: It's that kind of podcast. Um, a lot of people will be uh, aware of you and your breakout videos uh, in lockdown. But just if you could, just uh, in a nutshell, give us a sense of what you've been doing online since we all got imprisoned.
1: Um, I should have thought about this before I spoke to you because uh, I'm very bad at describing things. But... Um, Mainly, I do videos of this character who is nameless, uh, the woman, and she's a sort of, I guess she's a sort of far, she's sort of a far-right figure, but she basically takes extreme views on everything, mainly that the government does, but sometimes cultural issues. Yeah. Um, But they're sort of satirical videos, and they're very silly.
0: So they kind of, because I've been, I've been enjoying them during lockdown. Yeah. I mean, immediately we have a, a, a perspective thing. To you, she's far-right. To me, she's a bit further <laughs> right. <laughs> but she certainly, I guess, yeah. is a certain kind of female media commentator, right? Who we, yeah, can, that's you know, right. we probably presume who they relate to. A bit a bit pearl clutching in a way, yeah, I guess.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And and what kind of things does this woman get exercised about?
1: She about um, so she gets exercised about immigrants. Recently she got very exercised about Meghan Markle well,
0: um and
1: the harm she'd done to the Queen. Um yeah. Uh, she, oh God, I, I can't think what she, I mean, she gets exercised about something every week, so I sort of lose track, really.
0: I'd imagine she do have a strong position on the statues issue.
1: Yeah, she, well, that was the first, actually the first video I ever did about her was about statues.
0: And what would her take be on 10 years for defacing a statue? Is that nowhere near long enough?
1: Yeah, she she would probably want more than that. She's very angry about statues. So the first video I ever did for her was, so I started doing videos uh, on her in June mm.
0: um,
1: and it was during the Black Lives Matter protests. And she started by saying that it was terrible that the statues are being torn down because of history and we should preserve our history. And the, the, it ended up that she had a statue of Stalin in her garden um because she loved
0: history so much so you know the tattoo one is funny isn't it because (laughs) what's funny and what comedically we can get our teeth into is the fact that they are symbolic yeah but that does work both ways right so if you can be upset about them getting taken down that's funny but equally if you're really upset about them being up that can also be funny do you see the other side of it i guess is that it's the flip side of a similar coin what do you mean? Well, what I mean is, is is being worrying more about things that got put up in the past than stuff that's happening in the present can also seem weirdly sentimental. Do you know what I mean? Like there's plenty of injustices happening right now, but then that period last summer where there was almost like a list of all these statues you could take down. I just thought if you had a progressive agenda, there were probably better things you could spend your time on.
1: I know. I know, but I but I also think it was kind of um it was kind of a reckoning and and also I don't know there's there's a lot of at the moment there's a lot of anger from some aspects of the right about history like mm. Oliver Dowden talking about wanting to withdraw funding from the National Trust and things like that because they make a fuss about history. So I felt it was quite symbolic wanting to take statues down of slave traders and that in itself was quite um I don't know it was quite exciting so when people were getting upset about taking down of slave traders I kind of thought why not really why not take yeah, something down like with,
0: with old uh, Eddie Colston as a
1: as
0: yeah a, yeah I don't think they're Colston yeah it, this makes him sound a bit formula one doesn't it but um, I don't think that there were many tears, so that's certainly not from me. But then when he no. got to Baden-Powell and stuff, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm starting to wonder these days, Rosie, if, if snowflakery is a bit non-binary. Do you know what I mean? I don't
1: well, There's definitely snowflakery on both sides. I think that's definitely true. I mean, I, I certainly sometimes worry that there's kind of a lot of outrage on both sides mm. and you don't want to fall into the trap like um like for example I'm trying to think of an example where I've fallen into it um there was when when Biden became president yeah and there was a talk because he had apparently removed a bust of Churchill mm. and um and apparently Number Ten didn't really care about this so Number Ten were a bit like whatever Biden can um, remove it if he wants yeah. to and a journalist um said. Said, "Is it true that you've you've oh, what's this? You've removed Churchill from from the Oval Office?" And he was actually saying it as a kind of joke, and left Twitter went mad. They went, "Oh God, we're all so embarrassing. What is it? Oh, the the right. Oh, we're terrible." Yeah. And I was really angry at myself because I kind of jumped on that bandwagon, admittedly, really quickly. So I sort of I did a tweet where I was like, "Oh no! Oh, look at us. We're so embarrassing." And then I watched the, the clip again, and I thought, "Oh God, no! He's 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 joking. It's John Sopel. He's well known for sort of being a bit ironic and everything." So straight after, so I sort of did a tweet, and I went, "Oh no, no way! He's joking." But everyone had already sort of lurched on my first tweet, and going, "Oh yeah, oh, got these right wingers. Ah, oh, how mm. embarrassing!" And I thought, "Oh God, I'm feeding into it. It's terrible. We're all just on both sides of the left and right."
0: Well, that is the thing, isn't it? It's kind of like you're waiting for something in your hit zone. You know, yeah. I think that sometimes you see people because it's a big game, Twitter, and people are just waiting for something that falls into their kind of. It's like your your comedy wheelhouse, isn't it? And yeah. that's one thing that I'm thinking recently is that there is this strange complicity for satirists and comics, whereby you, you, it's a hard thing to admit, but you're sort of grateful when this news happens because you go, "Ha! I thought I can think of something funny about that." And yeah, you go,
1: completely.
0: And we can't admit that, you know, that without. It's, it's Batman and the Joker. It keeps coming up on this podcast, the, the complicity uh, of the culture war. And, you know, these figures like this figure, the woman that you do. I mean, do you think that that people like that, media commentators who represent kind of middle England in that way, do you think that they should have a platform in mainstream media outlets?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I, I think they should have a platform, but I um I think I should be able to make fun of them.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: Yeah. Um, I think what I've started doing more and more is when I started doing the videos, I would look at comments of people online and look at extreme comments of people online and make fun of that. And now I've started looking at commentators and politicians because I find what's worrying about the culture wars is it's all very well, people on the left and right raging at each other but I feel now what's happening is you've got politicians jumping in on it too and I find that a bit worrying because if we're doing it fine whatever but when you've got Pretty Patel talking about sort of lefty lawyers and do-gooders and Robert Jenrick uh writing a um you know a newspaper article about woke worthies then you're going why are you, why are you putting your hand in this It's we're already, I think, so divisive, and and this this year especially, I've noticed sort of people on the left and right who I know getting so much more reactionary and angry, and um, when our own government is feeding into that, I
0: just Mm. I just that makes me angry. I think it's a fair point, but I think we have a political class that are doing that as well. Like for example. Labour's position on the new criminal justice bill was originally to abstain and then you get the events at the weekend and clap them and then suddenly they sort of (laughs) think, oh, this is good for the base, you know? And it's sort of like, I go, look, I'm allowed to do that. I'm a comic, do you know what I mean? I'm allowed to think, oh yeah, that's a good subject for me to be talking about. I, I don't think that government by twitter and i must admit i've been surprised the extent to which the conservatives has done that because the way that they won that election was very much a, you know forget the liberal bubble forget the metropolitan consensus we're just going to govern by what we think's right but everything suggests that they're on their phones constantly and i don't know maybe maybe lockdown has exacerbated that because more than ever social media has disproportionately given us a sense of what the world thinks yeah but God,
1: I, you've made me think, though, if poor Keith Starmer's on his social media, I mean, I mean, he must be so confused. The well, yeah, I
0: mean, he's been le- <laughs> the left on the ones they call him Keith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they call him Keith. Why do they call him that? I mean, I think it's funny. I've never got to the root of it.
1: I think the only thing I guess is I once saw a interview with Diane Abbott where she was going and Keith Starmer. Who calls
0: their child kiss Oh right, yeah.
1: And I think that's where it came from, but I don't know. But it's a it's a far left thing. I I don't know why.
0: Is Kirsten? I mean, just in terms of your politics, is it yeah. quite close to where you're you're at?
1: Um, I I yeah, I think so. I well. I like his stomach. I find him a little bit dis- disappointing. But yeah. Yeah. I want to like him. What I'm sort of, I'm rooting business. for
0: him. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> the thing is like, I mean you had a hesitancy there, which I think comes sometimes from this at the moment which is admitting being centrist in any way yeah. like it sucks a little bit so you have uh, um you can't just go you know what? yeah he is fucking bang on i love him love the hair love the boring hair love the boring name but what what is it specifically politically about him that's disappointing
1: do you know well i mean it's, there's two two parts of that question i mean one thing i'm always a bit wary to sort of exactly state where i am politically anyway it's so funny because i get called so many i've been accused on on Twitter have been either being far left or being centrist depending when I I side with certain things but um I I, I don't know I think it's I'd like him to be a bit stronger sometimes when he's mm. defending things but I also think he's in a slightly difficult position because it's a it's a pandemic and I can see mm. what he's trying to do he's I, I I know that he is trying to kind of I don't, I don't. I don't know. No, but I no, think no, he's to trying. He's stronger. trying to sort of
0: hold a, a line, and he's also one of yeah. his main jobs was to win back the red wall, right? Yeah. And the, the Labour activist base, their priorities compared to what it would take to win back the red wall, are yeah. quite There's quite like a gulf between, them. one of them involves union jacks, the other involves pronouns. It's really well,
1: that's the thing, brilliant. and I also feel so sorry for him because he gets so much grief. Yeah, for not doing very much sometimes. Well, There's I guess of- I,
0: I think my biggest criticism, really, and I mentioned this the other week, was that they do seem to think that they they can. The Labour Party sort of tried to sit out Brexit, and yeah. that blew up in their face. Then they've sort of tried to sit out COVID, and obviously the government were shambolic for a long, long time. And then the vaccine thing has, you know, turned that round to an extent. And you think, at what point do they realise that they can't just sit things out? Like, when big stuff's happening, you need to go, well, what what is the Labour position on this?
1: I agree with you on this. I think they they don't really... I think he's sort of hedging his bets on a lot of things, especially on Brexit now. um, I mean, I know we're on different sides on Brexit, but Labour's position on Brexit, he's now just sort of stepping back completely, isn't he? I don't know what his... Position on where it's going now is at well, all. Yeah, he's
0: seen, he was one of the architects of the kind of constructive ambiguity. So, feel yeah. a bit for the Corbynistas, you know, he was he sort of pushed for a second referendum. And then, the moment he's in power, he's going, no, Brexit means Brexit. He's suddenly, he's, <laughs> suddenly, he's the one in the fucking bulldozer, you know, coming, yeah, you know, out means out. What most people think. Mr. Speaker,
1: that's, do you watch Prime Minister's
0: questions? I do, I do. And it was weird, wasn't it? Because at the beginning, everyone was loving Kia, even like people on the right were like, yeah. this is refreshing. And then, I don't know. Was they were
1: going, what was the word they kept using for him? Analytical? That was it? No, forensic. forensic. Yeah. yeah, they could go. oh, so forensic.
0: Well, the problem with forensic is like, as a human quality, as an intellectual quality, it's valuable. But if like, and I always bring this stuff down to normal bloke stuff, but on a stag do, if your USP on a stag do is forensic, if that's your nickname on your T-shirt, no one's excited about.
1: It's no. not fun, is it? It's not no.
0: forensic. Is not fun. You're not the fun guy. You can split a bill, you know. No. And, but forensic Keith Kia, rather, God, it is. It does catch the Keith thing, doesn't it? Yeah, it's awful.
1: It's but stupid. what are
0: the hard left thing is going to happen? Well, they think, when they think they're just going to get rid of Kia Starmer with with without him even fighting an election. <laughs> And then what I get, fucking, I don't know. Well, who was the one I used to say, um, good morning, Mrs. I've forgotten her name. Oh, the she ran, she was she was his opponent in the leadership election.
1: Oh, what, Rebecca Long-Bailey? That no, was it. And my, yeah. catch,
0: my catchphrase for her was, good morning, Mrs. Long-Bailey, because she did seem like a very good teacher she, at year five level. She did.
1: She did. She did
0: miss her do you think do you think we haven't heard the last of Long bailey oh i
1: didn't i i didn't she was i didn't like her she was very uninteresting i found her very uninteresting
0: (laughs) this is why this is why the labor party have never had a female leader because every time it just it's never the right time is it
1: no there's lots of i like a lot of female labor ladies but i found her a bit dull i like angela rayner i think she's great
0: I like Angela Rayner, but just because she reminds me of somebody that I know, I do find her Twitter.
1: I think she reminds people of everyone they know. I think that's yeah. one of her um, pros.
0: Strong woman, passionate. Yeah. I think, like you know, calling people scumbags in the House of Commons it not ideal, but also it does give a sense of personality. John Preston yeah. punched someone in the face, and we loved him for it, right? <laughs> this is why, this is Starmer's problem. You can't be forensic. You want to be punching people in the face. And calling people scumbag. Also,
1: the thing is, he, in PMQs, he'll, I mean, poor Keir Starmer, he'll say his little things. He'll go, oh, Mr. Speaker," and he'll say yeah. his little bits. And then Boris Johnson will just go off on one. He won't yeah. really respond to what he said at all. So I think that's why PMQs has got a bit boring, really, because it's yeah. not, it, it's not like, you know, it's, they it isn't really like, Boris Johnson responds, he just sort of does his own no, thing. No, you're really. right,
0: and maybe it is a tactic, it's almost like a form of filibustering, is that he just won't meet him head on. And why
1: yeah, but
0: weirdly, Boris being terrible at PMQs just seems to be something everyone's bored of and has accepted. But when you actually stop and watch one, you just go, We one thing people were sure of when he got elected, this guy, oh, he's good in his feet, this guy. Oh, he's funny. The main thing about Boris, he's hilarious. He'll have loads of comebacks. He doesn't have any no, comebacks. He,
1: he doesn't have any comebacks.
0: But no weirdly,
1: things. it's sort of his strength because Keir Starmer they. doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs>
0: so, no, no, he, he, he doesn't appear to. He had, he had to try a couple of jokes on the budget thing, didn't he?
1: No, I felt sorry for him. He needs some better jokes.
0: He does, but you you done gigs, right? You know what that's like. Everyone in the group, yeah. you got to try this. Do, try it. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and then you know everyone that told you to say it is in the room and you're...
1: <laughs> it's so true
0: speaking of gigs um, yeah what was your stand-up career like before the dark days what how long have you been doing stand-up
1: well see I actually I'd actually kind of stopped so I did I I did stand up for about I, I don't even know how, for how long I'd stand up for about four or five years. And then I got to the stage where I, w- I was in the, all the finals of those, you know, like the Leicester square final yeah. and the Moose Moose. And I think that was about the, the point where I went, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Cause um, I think. So you've I got think, you
0: got to some finals, got some success in, and you're like, well, that just proves it. I'm not having any of that.
1: <laughs> well, I think it was because it was, that that was the point where I thought, Oh God, this is actually a real, long haul. Yeah. You know, because that when when you get to the finals of things you go, oh no, you've got a couple of more years <laughs> where you could see yeah. And and then also I mean, you know, I went to drama school and things like that. So I was acting as well. So and then it was, it was sorry I'm I'm being really unarticulate, but it was a number of things. And and also I was uh dating a stand up, quite successful stand-up and and I think that put me off. I was like looking at the stuff he was doing and I was thinking, oh I don't I don't think I want
0: to do that. Which year do you, what? what year did you start doing stand up comedy? Oh
1: Jeff, I don't know.
0: Um who's five, in power?
1: Five years five years ago.
0: Five, right, no, because I'm interested because you you started in this era yeah. like, when it had all become more kind of touchy feely and inclusive and
1: yeah
0: and stuff. And you know, I started in the mid noughties when there was still quite a macho culture around it and there was still open sort of bullying, you know, in the green room. Yeah. In a, in a light-hearted way. But I just yeah. wondered what, what your experience of that has been. It, it, was it still like that? Because I don't know that circuit now. What, was it a positive experience?
1: Um, It was... Yeah it, yeah, it was sort of mixed. I mean, it could be quite... There were there were definitely some sort of tough ones, but on the whole, yeah, it was okay. Mm. Um, well, I didn't and, have many negative experiences.
0: And what about... Men in comedy, because a lot of people outside won't know this, but female comics are, are, are all too aware of this irony that loads of men in comedy are liberal, progressive, and feminist, yeah. and yet they, <laughs> it's fair to say that there are one or two issues. So yeah. where, where the collars and the cuff don't match in terms of their values. Did you did you have any issues like that with weird promoters and creepy guys?
1: A few, not many, but definitely a few. And also the ones that I had. Um, bad experiences with usually there were ones that everybody kind of knew about. Yeah, yeah. So that you'd say afterwards and everyone go, oh that guy, yeah, you don't you don't do that gig. What were you thinking doing that gig? It was like uh, a there was Or was there also a grudge ones. and
0: respect from the other women. Like, well she's earned her stripes now. <laughs> yeah. She's done the shit and bastard with old creepy, <laughs> creepy, creepy unnamed man number four. Well you know Yeah
1: I think there was a bit of that.
0: Okay, I hope you're enjoying the chat with Rosie there. Uh, just to say hello to a few new patrons, quite a few actually. Uh, Jimmy Holloway. Oh, Jimmy Holloway. Remember Jimmy Holloway? Yeah, did a bit of time, didn't he? Did a bit of time. Richard Hewitt, Jimmy Holloway's rich brother-in-law. Yeah, Richard Hewitt owns his own Jaguar dealership. Luke Innes. Luke Innes, he does sound like uh, a defender for a League One club. Matt Canaris. Canaris or Canaries? A bet that was your nickname at school, wasn't it? Matthew Canaries, Matthew, and you just got really upset about it, but you couldn't explain why, stop it, shut up, stop calling me Canaries, Paul McDermott, who just sounds like a Scottish weightlifter, <laughs> Mark, just Mark, I can't do anything with that Mark, okay, can I, we will just presume that Mark works somewhere really woke, maybe Mark is like a splinter cell inside Extinction Rebellion, waiting to report back, filming something for Panorama, turns out, they're all fucking burning fossil fuels for fun. Keith Dewhurst sounds like a referee from the late 90s. Uh, the match was refereed by Keith Dewhurst, who sent off Dion Dublin early in the second half for a being shit at presenting. Um, Greg Hutchison, whose name's are all in capitals, maybe another Scottish weightlifter. Greg Hutchison, John Wilkins, uh, John Wilkins, an actor. I think John Wilkins sounds like an actor. From like you know, the actor in one of those 70s sitcoms, you know, the posh next door neighbors where the wife was the funny one, he was the uptight husband. John Wilkins, brilliant character actor, and Paul Seddon, who I think has rejoined. There's a quick point after every time they do the pay run, some people get bumped out. If you want to still take advantage of all the Patreon stuff, then uh, do check that. And look, let's get I haven't done any adverts, have I? See, people taking the piss, no adverts at all, nothing about the tour. Nothing in September. It is, you know, at the moment, you know, women's, women's safety and stuff is is an issue, an ongoing issue, and particularly right now. I I did a Patreon-only podcast, and, you know, one of the things I was concerned about was the obvious issues versus the, the, the perception of risk that we give young women. I was worried about the fact that when people like Jess Phillips and Sadiq Khan saying the streets aren't safe... For women and girls, it seemed like quite a definitive thing, and I got a bit of pushback from my own patrons on that. That, mm-hmm. that I didn't understand the degree of it, so I, I've sort of canvassed opinion with the women I know, and I often notice a disparity between the women in my life. Same happened with me too, and, the, and women online. You know, what, yeah. what would be your characterization of the risk that women face?
1: Um, so I mean, I would say, I mean, I live in London usually, um, mm-hmm. and I've I don't know a single woman who hasn't had a bad experience or hasn't had some form of sexual um, harassment yeah. walking home or or things like that and and I think the reason why um, Sarah Everard really blew up for everyone is is every woman has had that experience where they've walked home and they've had some sort of unwanted attention at night which has scared them.
0: Yeah,
1: um, you know, I've, like, I like, yeah, I've had experiences where, um, you know, some guy has followed me uh, from the tube all the way home to my door because he wanted to ask for my phone number, you know, late at night, and it was just, it was scary because it was late at night, and it was, you know, it was fine. I got to my door and said, oh no, no, no. but it was, yeah. it was, you know, it freaked me out. Yeah. And there's like little things like that, and I think lots of women have had things like that where they felt unsafe. Um, so I think, I think that's why it really, really resonated. Mm. Um, so, I mean, cause it was funny. It was funny being like my parents cause my dad was really sort of taken back and he said, Oh, well you, you don't feel, you don't feel unsafe. Do you? And, and I sort of said, well, well, yeah, I mean, not all the time, but certainly when you're walking home late at night, most of the time, if someone's acting a bit strange and yeah. often that can happen,
0: well, that was, I suppose maybe there is like this two things is, is when something like that does happen is the mark that it leaves. Like how many more times do you feel nervous? So if that happens like once, you're nervous the next 30 times, you know? Yeah. I, I, I guess that that's the degree to which it leaves a mark. And I don't, I don't know if just all the women I know are just randomly double-eyed bastards that are like, <laughs> but but I do struggle sometimes, you know, certainly with, I mean, with me too, I, I you know, like my mum was very frank with me about stuff. Yeah. So, so when all that happened, I wasn't surprised. That was the big difference. I was like, I remember my mum used to um, make me stay off school when the TV repair man came. And and I was like, why? She's like, because he's a fucking wronging son. <laughs> my mum's great. Well, she was, yeah. But I was like, why do you get a different TV repair man? And the sad thing was, she was like, look, it's probably not worth the effort. The next one's probably going to be a wronging as well. So it's just easier. <laughs> At least I know how much of a wronging this guy is. Yeah. Yeah, and the idea that her 12-year-old son could do a better job of fighting him off than she could was an amusing one, I think. <laughs> I think she can handle it herself. So, but I suppose that is is there is there a chance that social social media, that's what I'm always and a lot of my comedy is about, is between what Britain is thinking and feeling versus what social media is thinking and, and feeling. I certainly think that Sarah Everard I think a massive cut-through because. Well, it's the person who's supposed to keep you safe as well. I guess it's like a psychological gouge, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, you mean because it was a policeman? Yeah. 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 I think I think that's a thing, and especially with what happened at the weekend, and the fact that you it was just with policemen acting like they did. You go, oh God, what what's all well, this about?
0: Would well, you just, know like when the EU, like over the vaccine thing, and you got a, a, a very similar press release from Sinn Féin and the DUP, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you've done a great job uniting them in a few point of view. Twitter was almost ubiquitous at the weekend in maybe this wasn't a great shout. Yeah. <laughs> <At> a vigil <laughs> to be rugby tackling women. <laughs> at a vigil.
1: <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. It was so bad.
0: Strange time to flex their muscles given some of the other stuff that just went ahead. You know, like yeah. f- football trophies and and look. I know it's always more complex. I mean, some people were saying, well, there were agitators there, but I do think that there are agitators at every protest now.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, and especially like that. There was some footage of some of the agitators, and they were like, they were like people in balaclavas, and you're like, well, yeah, of course, they're they're yeah. agitators.
0: I mean, it's a circuit <laughs> they, for them. Yeah. Like,
1: they probably go along to everything.
0: So, seeing you know, what, what has your position sort of been on lockdowns? Are you a kind of Quite pro lockdown person and um conditions. yeah,
1: I am pro lockdown. I'm I am sympathetic to a point on people who are well. I mean, I think everyone's fed up with them, but yep. but, but yeah, no, I am. I'm largely pro lockdown.
0: So when yeah. when you know, because one of the things that came out from the weekend with you know, this was very much a peaceful assembly. This this was a, not yeah. wasn't even a protest, right? It was it was a vigil. If we kind of quite casually just tossed aside that crucial democratic thing which is the right to peaceful assembly.
1: I know that's the thing isn't it and and I think that's what's a bit worrying I mean it it was even when because it was it was it Piers um I was about to say Piers Morgan then Piers Corbyn that didn't he get arrested when he was um
0: yeah on the anti-lockdown march
1: anti-lockdown I mean, I didn't think that was on. I mean, he's a complete loon, but I thought he should have been allowed to prance around. Because, you know, we should always have our right to protest. Yes. Even even in lockdown. Um, And I thought it was a bit worrying that people were saying we couldn't do that.
0: That's one of the things that we struggle with at the moment, isn't it? Is that there were, like, obviously you have a consistent point of view of this, but there are people that it seems like that that was the first time that they thought maybe... The police shouldn't be allowed to yeah. limit. you know, because what they're essentially saying is there's this circumstance where this isn't a great idea right now, but then the government could always come up with something along that. And then we see this criminal justice bill where um they can break up protests based on the fact that they're, they're too noisy.
1: Yeah, it's really worrying. And yeah. also I feel it's been sort of sneaked over at the moment when it's it's sort of coronavirus and everyone's sort of stuck yeah. indoors. So going, yeah, no, we're, we're all for... Protests are not happening at the moment anyway when we shouldn't be and we should be indoors and not going out. And, I, I, it, yeah, it's people being too noisy or causing, was it unease? Yes. But yeah, because
0: nothing that, is subjective about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could be that could be interpreted all sorts of ways.
0: Well, it's, it's almost like that small-minded sort of nimbyism, isn't it, where people say, look, I know there needs to be a new school in this area. It just shouldn't be built here. Yeah, we know that we need supermarkets, but not here. They just don't think. And like the idea. Look, I, I absolutely believe in the right for democratic protest, but not if it annoys me. Not yeah, if it's, yeah, it's completely. On any level, because it's the thing. It's like it feels like a protest kind of has. to... And, and you know, like I've thought that a lot of protests over the last years, the police have allowed things to get out of hand that they shouldn't. But equally, I'm not. I'm not necessarily want to live in a country where it being loud is a metric by which it can be stopped what most people think you know one of these issues at the moment is culture war ubiquity where you can sort of there's a very strange thing where based on how someone voted in a referendum you can sort of guess their views on Meghan Markle and climate change yeah and similarly if they voted leave you know you can guess their views on, on sort of statues and Meghan Markle. in fact megamarkle is, is a good metric for a lot of things, what what was your view of, on that interview with Oprah? Did you did it enhance your view of her?
1: I yeah, I liked it, but I you I listened to your um, podcast that, on it on Sunday. And it really made me laugh um, because I yeah I I felt sympathetic towards it, but I do agree with you that some of the it was very American, wasn't it?
0: So American.
1: <laughs> And I liked the way she was like, the, the bit in the middle where it was like, can now look at our chickens. And when she was cradling the chicken and she went, oh, we just, I just want to help. So she mm. said something like that. She just, and then there was Harry in the corner. I know. I, <laughs> I just want to rescue things. And then there was Harry.
0: I know, it did and remind you. You know those like animated films from the 50s where the female character could just summon birds and animals to kind of, like, sit on their well, shoulders and Yeah, see and
1: then she said she was like a little mermaid.
0: Oh, she actually said that, didn't she? Yeah,
1: she did. She said she found her voice. Yeah, she, she lost her it. voice by yeah. the Wicked Queen, and then she found it again.
0: And she told her truth. I mean, again, like, that's what I have an issue with, like, just having a nuanced take. I sort of thought... Well, I'm glad she can say what she wants, but like you can't just say oh, this is my truth, and then no one can interrogate that truth. <laughs> I know. Kate Middleton's got a truth as well. But <laughs> Kate, Kate I come- know, but what's
1: great is the, the the royal family can't say anything; they're not allowed to say anything. So now Harry and Meghan are free, and they can they can say what they like, really, can't they? So it's their truth, and who know who knows what anyone else's truth is.
0: Maybe they should do it symbolically, go out on a hunting weekend and just shoot chickens. <laughs> just a whole way, just just take out the old blunderbuss or whatever it is these posh people use, smash the shit out of a whole herd of chickens. I don't even know if chickens are a herd. Could this is slight sidebar here? You know, like when. People say, what do you call a group of giraffes? Oh, it's a journey. People love telling you that. It's a really great bit of trivia, isn't it? Yeah. Or a collection of mice is called a stove of mice. That's not even accurate, but it's always stuff like that. I think that everything should just be called a herd of stuff. It'd make it a lot simpler, wouldn't it?
1: No, but but then you feel so proud when you've learnt what they are, when you can say, oh, it's a conglomerate of, I don't know, Turkeys or whatever they are.
0: Conglomerate, <laughs> yeah, a complement <laughs> of ferrets.
1: Yeah, that
0: sounds accurate, doesn't it? It's not. It's just. It, it does. collective nouns?
1: And people think you're so great, but um, no, no I thought I no on the whole, I thought I mean, I was always really Team Megan. Yeah. So I was always going to go into it, going, "Yeah, come on, Megan, you you say your truth," but. Um, I agree. There were certain things that I watched and I thought, no, come on. Like when she went, oh, no, I never, I never Googled him. I didn't know. Then you're going, no, you're that's, on, that's no. not true.
0: It's okay. Like you would win admiration for doing research, particularly among women who yeah. tend to, do you know, right, like, this is a really weird example, but do you remember at the end of Take, Take Me Out, the um. dating show? And they would always offer the woman and say, oh, do you do you want to know what his kind of love at first sight choice was? Yeah. And I would always think, like, a bloke would go, not really. I, I don't, you know, if it was the other way around, women would always go, absolutely, I absolutely want to know that. Right? And that's yeah. a metaphor. If there's information available, broadly speaking, women are going are gonna to take that information. It's hard to believe. Then yeah, you to definitely. Go, well, then maybe she's, but then the, the net result of that is, she's really stupid that's what I think so it's a difficult one like either she's being dishonest or really really naive
1: I uh, yeah because she's not she's definitely not stupid you could tell from that interview she's not stupid yeah so maybe she she was just very keen to present a good image of herself or maybe she's just maybe she's just really naive
0: yeah yeah mix between laying it on thick which an American uh, kind of interview allows, doesn't it? There yeah. were a lot of people saying, like, the lack of interrogation of stuff by Oprah. Like, Oprah was just like, you know that friend where... What? Yeah, you know, like, when when a woman meets up with her mate and she doesn't... She just needs 100% support. Like, yeah, just, I've had a breakup. Back me up on everything I'm going to say here. But what... You sort of needed a, a flip side interview where someone goes, hang on, hang on. I just, uh... Just like need... a
1: bad cop.
0: Yeah. You need yeah. And, Andrew Neil on the case. <laughs> Yeah. Like the, the absolute antithesis. <laughs> Can you imagine Andrew Neil and Oprah? Going, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr Miss Miss Mark I'm gonna have to stop you. Some of these assertions. I, I, didn't, I didn't nail. I didn't nail his accent there. I've, I've made. It.
1: I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great impression. It
0: was a bit high pitched and Mrs. Doubtfire, but it's interesting. I think because you know we both spoke about Megan. It seems like we've had similar minute journeys in the opposite direction. Whereas I yeah. was not Team Megan, slightly so improved. You were Team Megan, slightly. There were some things you weren't uh, fully, you know, you didn't fully buy. You made this great video about changing your mind and what happens when you know you you try and move your position on something. And just 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 quickly sort of explain that video because that went really viral, didn't it? Uh
1: yeah. I, I I can't oh god, I can't even remember what it was now.
0: You've
1: changed um, your mind, haven't you? you no I changed, changed my mind. Um it was oh it was somebody it was somebody saying that they've ch- they've changed their opinion on something yeah and um i mean i'm explaining it really well <laughs> i literally can't remember what it was and um
0: well, go, if and, people go to rosie hold twitter it's reasonably high up yeah, in your, your jeff. timeline.
1: you take over jeff tell, <laughs> tell, tell well i realize that the is.
0: optic here is that i'm gonna mansplain your clip
1: <laughs> yeah please do i'm happy that i'm happy that's happening so it
0: seemed like your friend basically wasn't having it that you didn't have a solid <laughs> opinion on something and and it, yeah. I guess it was sort of pointing out how aggressive and how anti people are nuanced. And I thought it's a really funny video. It got retweeted by Gary Lineker of all people. Yeah, Gary,
1: great, good old Gary Lineker.
0: Come on, like if you're if you're a kind of sort of centre left person, that's got to be the absolute bullseye, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's great. Who? I mean, hey, uh, who says I'm centre left? No one.
0: So no, you're obviously not <laughs> said, But if you were, I'm saying. <laughs> Have you got any examples of where you've changed your mind? I suppose we've had a minor one with Megan, but something um, big that you've moved on.
1: I don't know. I can't think of anything big. I can think of something small just because it was re fairly recent, which was um with poor old <laughs> poor, poor old Keir Starmer. Yeah. And um you know that, that that story came out about how he was uh, he was putting flags up in his his office yes and he was under a lot of pressure to and he was going to be trying to be more patriotic mm-hmm. and a lot of people on the left were going this is really terrible and um he shouldn't be doing this anyway i i was very much like oh this this is awful why is he why is he pandering to the the culture wars why is he uh he, he shouldn't be doing this and i'd sort of read some Guardian articles about how this was a terrible idea and you didn't need to be patriotic by having a flag. A few people had, a few people commented underneath and really got me thinking and they were sort of saying, well, why does the flag always have to be this, this, the symbol of awfulness? Why does yeah. it have to be a bad thing? Why does patriotism have to be a bad thing? Why do we always have to equate it with being a, being the, the wrong side of the culture war?
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, and it really got me thinking. I thought, oh, God, I think I'm wrong about this.
0: And um, you're, See, you're too open-minded. This is this is the problem. You're reading comments. See, so what you've got to do is just go on there and go. <laughs> Fuck all these idiots. Like, everyone that says my point is brilliant is correct. <laughs> everyone that questions anything is an idiot. And that is like...
1: Sometimes I do. Sometimes I just... Uh, sometimes I delete... One time I did a tweet and then I thought, shit, I'm wrong about this. And then I deleted the tweet. I deleted the evidence. I was too yeah. ashamed to myself.
0: I've done. I've done that a couple of times. One of the problems is, is there's any replies that go, "Dude, what are you saying? It looks like you said the worst thing in the world." <laughs> it's like, dude, come on, man. Like, this ain't you, bro. This ain't it. And all it is is, is something about, like, you know, women wearing massive coats or something. Um, I. It's interesting that, that you say that because so remember something you said. Like, remember when the the EU had their their terrible Friday with Article 16, and I remember you saying something about. Uh, it's nice that my country aren't the ones acting like dicks. Um, yeah. So, you know, as a, as a Remainer and a pro-Remainer, that was, you know, I mean, it was two things in that point of view. It was one, that you were open-minded to the fact that the EU could be like that. And two, it also suggested your view of how Britain had acted. So before that point, what was your view of the EU? Is it a very positive, like they were a force for for general good sort of thing?
1: Um, Not completely. I think, do you know what? I don't think I know because... Since then, I've been looking at the. I was talking to my mum about it. And she was going, "Well, no, the EU's not brilliant, actually. I mean, she she's sort of pro EU, but um, yeah, largely, I was thinking it's disastrous that we've left the EU, and I still think that. But um, definitely, yeah, on the whole, I thought um, I thought the EU was was pretty much in the right, and we were in the wrong. So when that happened, I was I was. <laughs> I was quite happy. I was like, oh, well, I mean, this, you know, in the whole it's it's bad, but on the whole it's it's kind of great that we're on the right side of well, something. Well,
0: vaccines, weirdly, I mean, as we talk, yeah. you know, the EU are again not covering themselves, or certainly European countries aren't covering themselves in glory, in terms of relationship with objective science uh, and their relationship with the AstraZeneca, and and it's one of those beautiful things that pulls Britain together. Sometimes, is we're a bit defensive of our AstraZeneca, aren't we? we
1: yeah. Are.
0: It feels like it's being ganged up again. It's a bit like Eurovision, isn't it? All these countries giving it nil Like, you know, Look, is it the best song slash vaccine ever? No. Is it a nil-pointer? Absolutely not either.
1: I was watching the, the news last night with my parents and it was coming up about the AstraZeneca and my mum was going, no, bollocks, bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I think, I think it is. I think people don't don't mess with it. Is the one thing people want to be patriotic about.
0: Well, that, and that is, I think, sometimes how people feel about the monarchy. You know, when people get really emotional about the monarchies, like they yeah. just think we don't have much. We've got Morris dancing and pasties, a lot of it comes from Cornwall. And and weirdly. So you're saying
1: we've got pasties and, and the vaccine?
0: The pasties, the things we can all agree on are the vaccine, uh, microwavable tea, and weirdly, policing at vigils. Surprise, surprise. <laughs>
1: which is really nice. I thought it was lovely that we came together over that.
0: Look, in terms of where, where you go now, taking this kind of style of comedy out of lockdown, I'm sure that yeah. there are TV people interested in you. And I know that, you know, I saw an article in The Guardian about the way that, that Viral Clips are now being getting in front of commissioners and stuff like that. People can buy you a Kofi, though, can't they? Or- they
1: can buy me a Kofi. Yeah. A, a link on my Twitter.
0: So that which- is like... So what that is, people could just get, it's a one-off thing, or can they do, like, a monthly thing for you as well?
1: Yeah, they can do it. It's basically like an online tip jar, but it's, or it's, no. yeah, or you can do a monthly subscription if if you're so inclined.
0: So it feels like like Patreon is more of a blokey one.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> <the> girl thing. <laughs> I think that's sexist. I, I think, think it's I think sexist, it's, I like like you should sexist be ashamed.
0: Things, it's largely true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that... But in a way, it comes from the ego of men who are kind of like, "I want a direct debit, like <laughs> once a month. Like I want, I want to have an income. I want to." Whereas, whereas like Kofi is kind of like, "Well, if you want to, you don't have to. It could just be once or never or, or every month or for the rest of your life." many
1: say that because that's like whenever I tweet about it, I'm always like, oh, "Hi, um, if you want to, you can, but don't. No, no worries if not." Yes. I'm getting better at doing it now, but
0: you just just yeah. be more direct. Just go. Just just be like the worst kind of bloke. Just go. You watched my shit, so buy me a coffee, you dicks. You know.
1: Yeah, I'll do that.
0: Brilliant. Well, listen, Rosie. Uh, anything else that people should look out for? Obviously, follow you on Twitter, yeah, Instagram.
1: Just, you on... Yeah, just Twitter and Instagram. That's it, really.
0: Cool. Well, yeah. listen, it's it's great to have you on for the first time. I'd love to have you on again at some point in the future.
1: Yeah. Thanks very much for having me.
0: So there it was, the chat with Rosie Holt there. Like I say, go and check her out, her stuff that she does. It was it was real fun to speak to her, man. And uh, like I say, we're gonna keep doing it, gonna keep speaking to people from all sides of the political divide. So we're just gonna do one letter this week. I think that's what we've got time for. This is a letter from A B. A B de Villiers, is that A B de Villiers, this South African uh, cricketer? What the fuck is this exit? Uh he just says, who would win in a fight, AstraZeneca or Pfizer? <laughs> Well I'm gonna go I think we can answer this because AstraZeneca it's cheap, it's cheerful. AstraZeneca's your working class vaccine. Doesn't need any fucking fancy refrigeration, does it? The AstraZeneca, do you know what I mean? You can leave it out in the fucking garden when it's sunny it'll still be good. But it's a bit of the Pfizer. The Pfizer vaccine. I don't know why I'm giving it a German accent. But the Pfizer, no, we kinda it's too hot out here for me. I must say I'm the Freezer. Oh the Pfizer. So the Pfizer vaccine, vaccine is basically it's lived a precious molecular fucking life. And the AstraZeneca, are you becoming very jingoistic here, Jeff? Yeah, I think I am. The AstraZeneca will get out there and win it. 4-2 in extra time. Has this become a, a World War II slash World Cup analogy? I think it has. Okay, so that is the podcast of four this week. We're going to just do, as ever, the reviews. Leave me five-star reviews, please. It helps my ego. But also, it helps people look at the podcast and think, well, that is... that is. Oh, sorry, you, the reason I'm starting here is because it's one of those weeks where there's no new ones. There's no Or maybe, I don't know... I think I read that one out before. Oh, this is uh, oh, it's a four-star review. Sorry, Pete. Yeah, I appreciate it was a positive review, but it's not a five-star, is it? So no name check for you, Pete Burton. Um, and that, yeah, that is it in terms of reviews. So if you want to. And, and regular listeners, regular, see it's happening. Regular listeners will know that I struggle to deal with that blow to my ego. And then what tends to happen is I then get loads of reviews which acknowledge my fucking pathetic fragility. Lockdown. 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 Lockdown.